Hi everybody, it's Morgan. I'm just recording a quick trigger warning for the beginning of this episode. There is in this episode going to be discussion about sexual assault of both adults and minors. We just want to let you guys know so you could listen accordingly. We totally understand if you need to sit this episode out. So thank you again for listening. We appreciate you being here and let us know what you think. Can't wait to hear from you guys. All right. Bye. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the No Apologies podcast. I am Morgan. And it's Mara today. It's just the two of us. Yeah, just us too. We have a couple listeners <laughs> sitting by. Um, I think they're going to get as, as much entertainment from our discussion today as you guys are, and they might even have some questions that may help us clarify. They haven't... Possibly. Yeah. They haven't seen the show that we're going to be talking about today, um, so they may or may not have stuff to add. Sound effects. So today we are talking about the Hillsong documentary. Mara and I both watched it. It's on Discovery Plus. Mm-hmm. Three episodes. Three episodes. You can get the free trial and watch it. So Morgan brought this to me. She's like, hey, do you want to do the thing? And I'm like, absolutely. I would like to do the thing. <laughs> and then she was like, anybody, basically, if you have, if you listen to Caleb, if you're on the internet, on the Christian, Christian circles in the internet at all, you have heard of Hillsong. You if have, you go to worship, you fucking exactly. sing Hillsong. If, sung Hillsong. If you go what? to contemporary worship, you, you know yeah, no. I can find you quite a few. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but if you are, if you go to a contemporary worship service, or if you're online, mm-hmm. then you probably have heard, or at least have heard a Hillsong song, heard of the church. Right. Like, they're prevalent. They're everywhere. There's, what, hundreds yes. of songs? I didn't even oh. look at their catalog of music. Like, I didn't go digging into Hillsong before watching the documentary, right? So, my background, largely Mormon. Mormons have our own variety of, like, Mormon Hillsong-esque type of music, and so... um you really hadn't heard of them. I hadn't really heard specifically the name. I know the songs. Yeah. I 100% know the songs in the year and a half, two years that I attended the yep. X Church. Like, I know I've sung Hillsong. Definitely. I know I've done worship stuff. I just had a realization your mom and Brooke are Statler and Waldorf and we're the Muppets doing the Muppet show. <laughs> that is the... <laughs> Anyways... Um, I'm impressed you know their names. Statler and Waldorf? I don't know. I, I never, never heard old, their names. There's an old man up in the balcony. Yeah, yeah. I just, I didn't know that was their names. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Anyways, sorry. Side note, it's, it's late. We so, wanted to get this out for y'all, so we're here. So we're going to go through kind of just the chronological events of the documentary, everything we, like our thoughts along the way, and give you guys, you know, like a... Um, synopsis synopsis. overview type of like how we felt and it's actually really interesting Morgan and I were comparing notes before we recorded this um Morgan has very logical notes which is fair because Morgan is very logical in her thinking very linear she likes to keep track of things I have uh, I have a mess of notes. It's <laughs> emotional. It, it, they're very emotional. It's a lot about how people felt. It's a lot of my observations and the thoughts that would come to my mind because hearing a lot of what happened with this whole scandal, the series of scandals that have come out, um, it brought a lot of trauma to the forefront, a lot of my own feelings, um, 
about the situations that have happened, about the things that were being talked about. And I was just like, oof, big feelings, big thoughts. And I just wrote them down and you'll hear some of them. I mean, you'll probably hear a lot of them. Who am I kidding? (laughs) But like, yeah, I guess we can get started. Yeah. So Hillsong originally, I forget the original, the original name is, is something along the lines of Hill, Hill City Church or something like that. Okay. Um, They started as a church in Australia in the 1960s, -hmm. and the man who started the church was Frank... Houston. Houston. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Brian Houston's father. Right. So Frank Houston grew up in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Um, Things didn't really work out for him there. So in the 1960s, he moved to Australia. So when you say they didn't... Sorry for interrupting, but when you say they didn't work out there, are you meaning like he attempted to plant a church in New Zealand and that failed and then he left? I don't remember if it was talked about or... It, It wasn't really talked about. It was kind of just brushed over like i don't even know what he if he attempted a different career or you anything. say this now i'm gonna do some googling forgive us okay. while morgan no. talks yeah he was a a, no he was a pastor in new zealand in the pentecostal at the assemblies of god in new zealand okay there you go so he started as a pastor in new zealand and things like i said things didn't work out we don't really have details on what happened but mm. frank basically thought it would be best to have a clean fresh start Move to Australia and start a church there. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh... A Pentecostal church specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, all these Hillsong is a is now non denominational, but they their Thanks. roots are Pentecostal um, and uh, assemblies of God. Assemblies of God. Yes. So, which is, which is very charismatic, if you don't know. Um, very, assemblies of God. Yes. Okay. Very like. Speaking in tongues. Right. Slain in the spirit. I remember that. So that's one of the first. So the first episode opens up talking about how the church was founded. Right. So Mm -hmm. like if you don't know about Hillsong, it gives you a bit of a primer. And so it shows these videos of these Pentecostal churches in the 70s and 80s. Like being slain in the spirit, speaking in tongues. So it shows these very old clips. Yeah. Um, and this might be jumping ahead, but it, it they talk about how Brian Houston, he inherit, inherited the church in New, in Australia from his father. Yeah. And then he traveled to the, um, to, um, uh, the United States mm-hmm. to learn how they did megachurches. Right. Because that was truly where I think that the, the megachurch boomed. It's yeah. it, it started getting really big, having really big people attending the evangelical pastors that uh, the the tele televised tele evangelicalism. Yeah, that's what it is. And he he learned how to make money off of preaching exactly from America, and then he brought it back to Australia and implemented it in yeah. his church. Yeah, so Frank Frank had his church in Australia, mm-hmm. and his son Brian stepped up mm-hmm. as head pastor, senior pastor of the church, and it wasn't Hillsong yet. Mm-mm. And then, like you said, uh, Brian, the church actually started ga- to gain popularity. They had an ex church member in the docu series, and she talks about how the church got to about like three hundred people. It got pretty big just by yeah. itself, and I by remember itself. they were talking about how they had to move. 
locations and buildings. And I think they ended up at a warehouse at some point with the 300. And I think that's what motivated Brian to go to the United States because Brian was like, okay, I have something going here. Right, 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 Something really, something good that people are enjoying. And Brian's kind of, the difference between Brian and his father, Frank, that they were saying was Frank was very fire and brimstone, very traditional. Right, very conservative. And I I heard... Watch some of the pastoring, the preaching that he did. And boy, howdy. <laughs> no, thank you. And Brian was a breath of fresh air for mm-hmm. a lot, especially for um, Pentecostal people and this fresh air come the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. of like, wear jeans to church, come as you are kind of mentality. Like, right. Like anybody could come and that was really like new, a newfangled idea, especially in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. And like being able to wear jeans. Like I remember growing up Mormon, it's like, it was your Sunday best. You had your Sunday best and God forbid if you didn't wear it, literally. Um, and I remember going to the ex church and showing up in a skirt, wearing my Sunday best and then seeing other people wearing jeans. And I'm like, the hell? I can do that. And so then I tested it out and it was like, nobody said anything. And I was like, wow, that's so freeing. It's so freeing to wear pants to church. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And so Brian brought brought this like fresh new 90s feel. And right, he went to the US, met with some pastors in the US. They really helped him figure out like, Okay, like in the U.S., churches were booming because they were able to sell things, right? They right. could sell tickets, they could sell books, CDs, record labels, all this stuff. They were selling the idea of salvation, right? And they were sell, and so it, I remember one of the clips that they showed. It was like for the if you can do seven dollars a month, that's I think they 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 did some sort of weird like telethon fundraising, yeah, and and they were like. Why spe- Why do 70 dollars is not enough for the Lord? Do seven hundred. Uh-huh. Do seven thousand. And I'm like, holy shit! Yeah, that's so much money, especially back then. Like, that's a lot of money now, but in the nineties, that's a lot of money. Yeah. So Brian goes back to Australia, and he basically comes up with a way to market his church. What the biggest way he did this was he found a child star. Who, who wasn't really famous anymore. Right. And, and, but she had a beautiful voice, and he recruited her to lead his worship team. Right. Right, right, right. And, they, and so she was so good at music, and I forget her name now, but she was, she was an Australian child star. And she was so good at singing and, and, um, and everything that they eventually wrote their own songs. Mm-hmm. And the worship team of Hillsong just exploded. People started right. coming. You know, they had... They soon had over a thousand members mm-hmm. coming, and soon enough, the worship band started writing their own music, started producing their own music, and selling CDs and all this stuff. Right. And eventually, the church was named Hillsong after the band. Right. The band, like to market CDs and everything, mm-hmm. didn't want to put the name of the church, so they named themselves Hillsong. Right. And and then that's what the church. Adopted. Adopted. So Mm -hmm. that's how the Hillsong Church became a thing. After that, Brian went to the U.S. to plant a church um, as well as like 30 other countries. So my first note is about Brian. So so we have the Brian Houston era. 
where Hillsong is in the 90s. They produced songs like Shout to the Lord, um, Cornerstone mm-hmm. is probably like a famous one I, I know of. And then Oceans wasn't until like 2010s. But see, now but, that's crazy because Oceans is the one I know of most. So like, I don't know yeah. any of these classical ones, but it's like right. Oceans was probably one of the first contemporary worship songs that I learned after leaving the Mormon church. Mm-hmm. So that, okay. So my first note is they talk about how Brian's vision Oh, Brian God. wrote this like kind of vision statement. It was right. it was like an essay. It's called the Church I See. I'm pretty right. sure the Church I See, and it was like it was like an essay about you know his his desire for a church in the future. Like, Did you read it? I didn't read it, but they kind of summarize it in the document. They do, but like the language that's used is absolutely bonkers sometimes. Yeah. Kind of my note. Some of my notes are kind of keeping the documentary accountable because, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like some of the stuff was blown a little bit out of proportion. So I want to like. Oh, for sure. Like anybody, like anybody that tells you that. Oh no, this is unbiased bullshit. Because mm-hmm. things like this documentary are made by people who have an agenda. Exactly. Who have a direction. Who have a narrative that they want to tell. They say that Brian Brian's vision for his church was to take over the world with his church. Right, Which I remember that. Sounds very culty. That does <laughs> sound fucking culty. But the note I took was just to cut him some slack a little bit. Mm-hmm. Isn't that all pastors' visions? It is. It's not just all pastors' visions. <laughs> it's what Christians desire. Right. They want to bring Christ to the world. Exactly. Which means they want to take over the world with Christianity, which exactly. I believe is everyone should be able to worship whatever God or being or higher power they wish to or choose not to worship and to imply that Christianity is the be all end all is kind of offensive to other cultures. Yeah, like all pastors have that small hope deep down that their church would blow up and the <laughs> that, whole world that would theirs be Christian. will be the one to go viral. This is not the reason why exactly. you want to go viral. Guys, you don't want to be a Hillsong. Sure. I think deconstructing Christians by watching this, I think the biggest connection you can make is that Hillsong is not a special case. Oh no, not at Hillsong. all. I actually do have a note on that. It's Hillsong is it. the tip of the iceberg. Oh, for sure. I actually have. And like I said, they they say Brian's vision is to take over the world, and it's like, well, actually, that's every pastor's vision. It really is. Is to take over the world. Is to have Jesus, quote unquote, yeah, take over the world mm-hmm. through them, through them, and their church. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think it's kind of interesting. I have a note here that kind of follows on with that, like, yeah. culty take over the world thing. Um, it involves, like, the language of churches. Like, if you look at the language of this, the church I see statement, as it's titled that document, um, and a lot of volunteers talk about, like, the lingo, the slang that was used, the, the popular language that was used in among the volunteer team as part of the, the right. pastoral teams. Um Hillsong or oh what was it yeah so the volunteers and the staff they they would tell they would be like burned out having issues and they said do you believe we get to do this and that like oh my god so immediately my first I that was like the first thought that I had was like Hillsong doesn't have the market on trendy catchy quotable memeable hashtagable phrases Things that bring people into clickbait, things that people would post on Facebook or Instagram and the fancy fonts or stuff. Like, 
any church can have it. You see it at Hillsong. You see it at the Mormons with their general conferences. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, you know, other churches do this. Even small churches do it, let alone big churches. And yep, it's so insane just that idea of having, like, it's, it, it's not one church. And Brian learned from people. Oh, yeah. You know, Brian wasn't just like... <laughs> he wasn't the sociopathic <laughs> master manipulator. No, and it's like the documentary makes him out to be. Well, and the funny thing is, like, you see interviews with him. Like, he is not the brightest guy. Okay? No, he isn't. Like, oh, my God. There's no way that this guy could have, like, been the mastermind Mm-mm. behind the world's greatest no. church. Like, no. Brian... He learned. Learned from people. And he just copy and pasted what he saw. Mm-hmm. And he got he, lucky. He got lucky. He managed to have an incredible vocal team. Exactly. An incredible musical group. And music is one of the greatest driving forces in a church. In, in, in the ca- world. In, in the world. Yeah. Like, I'll say capital C church. I'll say the world. Yeah. Because music is a spiritual practice, right? Like, yeah. Like, even if it's secular, secular music. Like, I think any musician would say that making music is a spiritual practice. Yeah, I would say that there's a lot of, you know, emotion that gets poured into it. There's a lot of time and devotion put into that. Like, people spend hours poring over the lyrics, poring over their chord progressions, and it's basically like building a devotional. Right, exactly. So, um, Brian goes to New York and plants a church called Hillsong New York. Yes. Hillsong NYC. Was that the first big one in the U.S.? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so he got what Carl Lentz. So so he hired Carl Lentz, and he he's an Ameri- He was a young guy in his twenties or thirties with so. wife and kids. Very um very charismatic guy, um and hit him and Brian kind of like launched Hillsong NYC, and um really like. Up to the production mm-hmm. value, you know, mm-hmm. dark lights. You're, it's like a concert. There's lasers. There's smoke machines. There's there's amazing strobes. vocal quality. Amazing right. like options for that. And before we get too far down that path, um, it's kind of interesting to note he didn't just hire him. Carl Lentz went to Hillsong. Yes, he went to Hillsong College in right. Australia. Brian met Carl and was like, you. You I will pick out of the crowd. You I will raise up. You I will tutor mm-hmm. and and stewardship and mentor into being a charismatic, young, fresh American face. Right. And Carl was a youth pastor previously at a Pentecostal megachurch of sorts. Yes, um, in Pennsylvania. Right, with his wife when they were in like their 20s. They were like yeah. super young. And he was raised in that church. Mm-hmm. He was a youth pastor, and then he kind of wanted a career in that. And so right. he went to Hillsong College, and um, obviously... Brian plucked him out of the crowd somehow. Brian saw something in him, and it makes sense, because Carl shot that church up, like... Oh, wicked fast. To the nth degree. like Wicked fast. That church is what made Hillsong what it is today. Yeah, so the... So NYC was... They were having church in a theater... It was a concert venue. Like a concert venue. Was Every it, Sunday. Was it a concert venue? No, it was a nightclub. Yeah. It, it was, was a nightclub that yeah. they cleaned up. Every week. Every week. To rent out. To rent out. And then it went back to that same sort of 
and this is very cultural, sinful, which, you know, people make their own decisions. Nightclubs are what they are. Right. But, like, for a Pentecostal church to host church in a nightclub. (laughs) I'm sure some heads were turning. And I think that was actually a really big draw because they got a lot of people coming in. And that that was my note was there there was a guy in the... um, in the documentary. In the documentary. Mm-hmm. And the, this theater filled probably around 500 to 1,000 people. Easily. And um, that's, wasn't that the one that Taylor Swift plays in? Or is no, was that that's the, after. That's the later one? Okay. That's the one they use now in, in New York. That's just so, that's so. <sighs> um, there's a guy in the documentary who says it, the church was perfect and appealed to sinners. Mm hmm. Um, the sinners would go to church and think, oh, this is easy. There's no community. It's just fun. Mm-hmm. It's, Which, it's easy church. And and you and I have talked about this, and I still think it's so stupid. And it's definitely a topic for a later episode, but I think it's so stupid. Like, sure, we want church to be comfortable. We want to love the people that are in it. But church is meant to make us to provoke us to make us think about christ to make us deepen our relationship and a lot of the time that doesn't come unless there's challenge in some way yeah and if you're not being challenged if your focus is on oh i just want to feel good okay sure fine whatever that's your walk with god if that's what your walk with christ and god looks like so be it but to go and attend a concert and i think that's also what really appeared appealed to these people is that they would go it was easy it was like a concert it wasn't stepping outside their comfort zone and like growth does not happen inside of a comfort zone yeah and even if it is at first outside of your comfort zone it becomes comfortable oh very you know? much so yeah and it's very easy not to talk to people it's very easy to just go and have fun and church should be fun but yeah always it's... well not always it should be fun <laughs> i thought it was so comforting and and reassuring throughout the whole documentary there was a like an ex-volunteer and he would he kept saying throughout the documentary he was like people kept calling this a church and it's not a church and he kept saying that yeah and and it kind of like irked me the first time you're like no it is a church it's got the name church on (laughs) exactly but it's like he's right it's like it's not like this is a global corporation Mm -hmm. that is like entertaining people yeah by preaching and music and and a light show and all this stuff and that has its own place in the world it does 100 percent. to most people and certainly to the bible that is not church no and so that was really interesting to see that and and hillsong started to kind of take advantage of the young crowds in new york Mm -hmm. and they Young people who weren't necessarily Christians, but they loved the vibe and the feeling and the good, the the loving feeling you the get. The feel goods. The feel good of going to this Hillsong gathering every week. Mm-hmm. And that is how Carl Lentz made this church boom. Oh, 100%. So now, Carl Lentz. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like we said, very attractive, very young guy. Very charismatic, um, too. Unlike Brian, had a true gift for preaching. Oh, yeah. And convincing. He was very persuasive. Persuasive. Mm-hmm. That was the word. I, I've listened to some clips of his preaching. He's great. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, if, if, if I hadn't watched these clips in the context of the documentary, 
I would, I think I would have been very easily swayed. Oh yeah. He's very charismatic. He has very good preaching points. Yeah. I know this and a lot of other churches, churches that I've been to where we forget that pastors are humans. Like oh, are hundred percent. And that's obviously what happened with Carl Lentz. Mm-hmm. And Carl Lentz was ripped. Like this guy, I should say was, he is. He is. He hasn't died. Hopefully is attractive. I will not deny that. I don't go for like sexual attraction, but like homeboy is ripped. I can appreciate that aesthetically. Like, wow. So people forget that being ripped takes time. It's a vanity thing. You got to work out like you know, like every day for hours. He's working out for hours every day. He is, he is looking good all day, every day. He is having a successful social media, (laughs) which takes a lot of time. You have to cultivate that shit. And I don't know how much of it he would pass on to other people. Cause that's the other thing too, is that when you are that successful in social media, a lot of the time you pass that shit off to a PR agency or to an assistant who does it all for you. And he totally could have, but that takes money too. Like it does. People, I, it's so easy. And you could tell people did this. It's so easy to think, oh my gosh, Carl Lentz, he's so humble. He's a normal guy. Like humble beginnings, has a wife, has a wife and kids, beautiful family. But people don't realize this guy is jacked. He's dressing in the expensive clothing that sends the signals to the kind of people that would want to hang out with someone who is attractive like him, who is charismatic like him, and preachers and sneakers. Yeah, Instagram account. Yeah, and I think that kind of put that crack. In yes. the humble facade. Exactly. $800 sneakers. Oh my God. Right. The screenshots that they were showing, my jaw fucking dropped. I, I was know. like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Wearing $10,000 jackets. Hoodies. Hoodies. Not jackets. To the point hoodies. Where that became a thing. Preacher sneakers. Yeah, that's what we're talking that's, about. That's what oh, we're yeah. talking about. Preacher sneakers. Yeah, yeah. They, they interviewed the guy. That's like a whole. It's an Instagram. Yeah, it's it, preachers, yeah. preachers wearing Gucci everything. Preachers wearing Tommy Hilfiger. Yeah. Preachers wearing their sneakers are five hundred dollars, like Air Force Ones or Air Jordans, and it's just like, woof, like that kind of money. People didn't realize that Carl, Carl wasn't like shopping at Target with you. Like, Carl is going to, like, Gucci showrooms, picking out a pair of shoes for his sermon that week. He's a celebrity. He's a celebrity. He was was made into a celebrity, and he was hanging out with celebrities. He was. I think, too, like, celebrity culture in a church is really interesting because a lot of celebrities don't talk about their religion. They don't talk about their spiritual beliefs. They don't talk about their spiritual practices. And honestly, I think Hillsong kind of broke that mold. And more more celebrities are willing to come out about it, which I think is, for one, inspiring. Um, For a lot of people, like, for a lot of Christians, for example, who need that kind of, like, motivation or the feel of down-to-earthness of just like, oh, they are like me in some way versus, like... Kim and Kanye went to Hill. Not Kim, but no, Kim. Well, no, I'm it sure was Kim it was went. another one. It was another Kardashian Kendall. that they named Kendall, Kendall and Kanye went. both went. 
Justin Bieber went. Let's go ahead and drop the Bieber bomb right in there. Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato. I'm right. pretty sure Miley Cyrus has gone. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me if she went. But it's like one of those things that you see them go, and you're like, oh wow, that's that's like an instant popularity boost because people yeah. are like. These celebrities I idolize go to Hillsong. They listen to Hillsong. Mm-hmm. They talk up Carl Lentz. Right. Why? Let me check them out. And, like, if you're evangelical Christian, then it's like, yes, bring more people to God. Yes, we love this. We love how this goes for you. Right. But I don't know. It's it's also interesting because, like, the the documentary was listing all these people who go like right. Hugh Jackman goes like his whole right. family goes that was Chris the other Pratt way. Ha- used to go um, and Chris Pratt's like a proclaimed Christian um, I, I think I knew that about him yeah one of those celebrities was Justin Bieber right probably oh, the biggest God. one Justin, that was talked about in the documentary yeah mm-hmm. Justin promoted Hillsong he was very close with Carl Lentz he was very active in it. Yes, he, which you know, great, good for him. Yeah, he talked about Carl Lentz as a close personal friend, not just a pastor, right. but a close personal friend and a mentor. And the documentary really spun it to make out like Carl Lentz saved Justin Bieber. Right. And you told me that like Justin Bieber has always been like a professed Christian, right? And I was like, huh, okay, totally not the vibe I got from this from the documentary. <laughs> yes. But I mean, gotcha. And so it's like they 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 spin this narrative of oh they saved him and then he saw them for what they were and then he left it. And I'm right. like, that's that's a, that's removing a lot of autonomy from Justin Bieber. Yeah, because he's a grown ass man. Right. Come on, guys. <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah. And and also I think it was very much a PR spin for him. To go from that bad boy persona and they're exactly. like, we need to clean him up somehow. Oh, look, he's returned to Christianity. He mm-hmm. has found Christ. And I'm like, sure. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought it was funny. Like, yeah, they, they made it really seem like, oh, like we saved Justin Bieber's career and reputation and all this and his faith and all this stuff. <laughs> and yeah, okay, it's like, okay, sure, sure, sure. As a teenager in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. like... One Direction, Justin Bieber, Selena Gomez, did all right the, there, all right those, there, all those people. I was all up in it, and Justin Bieber has always claimed to be a Christian. Right, yeah. just same with Selena Gomez and Demi Lovato. They and Miley Cyrus. They all grew up in Christian households. Right. I think a lot of people forget that because yeah. we see them from a very young age, starring in songs doing music videos that don't necessarily portray Christian values or on TV shows that very, very specifically don't discuss church. Right. Because they want it to be as friendly to people who might not go to church, obviously, um, reaching the biggest demographic they possibly can. It wasn't a hard ask Uh -uh. for these celebrities to go to this church Mm -mm. because literally every mainstream Christian in America wanted to go to this church. Right. I just had another Plus, they had a VIP section that could kind of guarantee privacy. Their ability to worship without being mobbed by fucking everybody. Yeah, you wouldn't have to sit in, in like, the public area. Mm -hmm. I did actually have another thought. Yeah. Actors, their job is to be an actor. In a regular workplace, you don't talk religion at work. Yeah, exactly. So, it's like, yeah, no, they were, they're just, they're regular-ass people, guys. Come on. Just because their lives are public doesn't mean we get to see everything. Yeah, and they, just like everybody else, they wanted to go to Hillsong. And, yeah. Um, 
popular yeah. people being at a popular church. Wow, that's going to boost PR. Obviously, it might not have started off as PR, but I'm pretty sure oh, but for, it, yeah. it, it, it turned did. into that. Yeah. But I'm, I think for Justin Bieber, it was definitely a PR move. So then we go to Carl, and he's this pastor of, the, you know, his church is like, like a hundred thousand people Mahoosin. by now. I mean, it's just massive. Like, I think by that point they had moved to the Taylor Swift venue. Yeah. So then they moved to like an it, arena, and then and Carl that. makes an Instagram post, basically saying that he is stepping down from being the pastor at Hillsong NYC um, because he was unfaithful in his marriage. He had been the pastor for ten years. He was stepping down, right? Um, because he had been he was cheating on his wife. And the way that it was fucking worded to, it was such oh, a PR so post. It was very much, I have made a grievous sin. I have hurt my wife. I am stepping away. This is what is best to focus on this. I am surprised that he didn't <laughs> do what everybody does. Where he, he I, I'm surprised he didn't post the notes app. Or make the apology video where he's or fake crying. Oh my God. Like, Make he a posted, real. He posted a photo of his family. Right, the perfect family, and it's like, Which sir, just what like, kind of emotional manipulation are you pulling here? Yeah, it just like burned. Still, I looked back at it the other day. It makes me sick because he's he's right. He he like writes this confession about how he cheated on his wife, and the relationship was for five months. Yes, and. You're reading this post and looking at his daughters. And his son. And his wife and his son. And And I'm just like, like, the people, it makes you realize, like, this family is now in ruins. Even though he posts this gorgeous little photo of them, probably on, like, Easter or something. What shook this story is that, you know, because pastors cheat on their wives all the time. Oh, yeah, that's totally (laughs) a thing that happens. Like, this happens all the time. On the rig. (laughs) Yeah. It's very usual for a pastor to cheat on his wife right. and it to come out and it's a scandal or whatever. Usually what happens is the church just kind of moves on. But the mistress yeah. was a higher up in New York. And mm. she did an interview. Not at the church. No, but no, no, no. She was a fashion designer. Yes, Renee was just saying she yeah. was like a she was a schmuckety schmuck fashion designer and right. she reached out to a Christian reporter. She reached out. She to, was like, "I'm not just gonna let this blow over." No, and she I'm was doing like, an interview, right? And also because too, so like the whole way that it went down is that she ended things with Carl several times, and Carl refused to let it go. He in, in the documentary you see several um, video messages, like FaceTime messages that yeah. she screen recorded or something. Um, had to have because there's no fucking way he sat down to reenact that. Um, but it's like you can see this, and they're oh, he's such a slimy skis ball. I'm well, yeah, and like when he when they met, so they met. Oh yeah, they met um, at a park at a park he's where he was working sh- out, and she was just like reading in the grass mm-hmm. at like Central Park or mm-hmm. something. And um, he asked for her number. And so he hands his phone to her, mm-hmm. and it's the notes app. Yeah, God, so fucking skeevy. It's not the contact. It's not your contact. And, but it's, she it's still gives app. him her number. I'm like, so ma'am, she's like, ma'am. okay. So she gives him her number, and then I think those the the like the videos that he sends her. 
I think that is to not leave a pay, not leave a, a trail for his wife or anybody else mm. to find. Mm-hmm. Very, and just like very those crazy. videos too are the way that she described them. It was like she would say she's done, and the one that really caught my eye was just like how. So she said that she wrote like novels of a text saying goodbye, this is done, we're through, because he would make it all about his time, his availability. Right. He set the times where she and him would meet. Yeah, because he could only see her on the slide when, when he yeah. could see her. Yeah. And so, um, and so she says that Carl wasn't content with just letting her have the final word. And so he would like verbally attack her and send attempts to communicate and just being like you know what you know if if this is all done if you really just need to be done just go ahead and tell me and i'll let you go and i'm like that's fucking bullshit that's a classic yeah abusive partner thing to say yeah totally when the person is trying to walk away when the abusee is trying to walk away the victim that's the word god um the abuser will be like, oh, I'll let you go, but you got to tell me first. And that's mm-hmm. that's their way of trying to keep control. When she's explaining their relationship and, like, their conversations and stuff, you know, she, she said that she remembers asking him, like, well, like, what's wrong with your marriage? He said there, there wasn't anything and, wrong. Right. And she was like, well, you're obviously, like, here with me. Mm-hmm. So, like, why aren't you with her? And he said, oh, there's nothing wrong with my marriage. I'm like, sir, if there's nothing wrong with your marriage, why are you going to someone who looks very different from your wife and seeking out sexual intimacy? Exactly. Which is another hot topic that pushed my fucking button. Because he was weirdly invested in preaching about sexual purity. Yes. Weirdly invested. And I remember someone saying that, you know, you don't have that kind of an emphasis and a focus on something unless you see that failure within yourself. And exactly. boy, howdy. And it makes you think about all the things preachers preach about, like, that they choose to preach about. Like, and I wrote down, like, it's seriously scary to yeah. see how easy it is for pastors to convince people. It is. Because I, people think about Renine and and they're like, why like watching the documentary like she knew he was married Mm -hmm. she knew he had kids she knew he was the a pastor right of hillsong why Why did did she she choose right it's so clearly wrong right yeah and i (sighs) but then she has carl there right saying like god like, brought us together. God brought us together. Obviously. And, and Renine had said she went to Hillsong like five years ago. Right, yeah. And saw, saw Carl him there. preach. Mm-hmm. And then she and then Carl made her really think about like he spiritually abused her to this point. Spirit, spiritually groomed her. Manipulated yeah. mm-hmm. to to the point where she was like, Okay, well, I met like I saw him five years ago and like what are the chances I meet him in a park and we have this connection mm-hmm. and I know he's married, but like this, this connection, connection is better than anything I've ever had. Okay, but I think that's just so crazy because I think there's a lot of women out there who will convince themselves of that. I know. There's a lot of women out there who will convince themselves of that. And I just like... Like, it is insane how Carl was able to convince a person to be with him when they knew everything about him. Right. Right. It's part of the... It's, it's part of the job. You have to be able yes. to talk to people. You have to be good at public speaking. You must be able to persuade people to your position on Christ. 
I think it, it speaks a lot about the amount of power and influence that goes to a person's head. Exactly. Um, I have another note down here, and it was someone else was talking about, like, the documentary doesn't just talk about the scandals. It talks about, like, it interviews a lot of people about how these topics related to them. And, again, I'll return back to that sexual purity bullshit. Like, so there was this young woman who she was describing her experience um, going to Hillsong. And so she and her boyfriend. Well, they grew up in the church with. Carl. Oh, gotcha. And, and so, so, and so the, it was at church, that church. Yeah. So, so Carl was the youth pastor at a church at his home church. Gotcha. Which was like a mega church of like a thousand people or something. Right. It's like and, mega church calls to mega church. Anyways, right. but so he, so he was the youth. He was her, her youth pastor. Okay. So she and her boyfriend at the time had had sex. At the end of the service, I guess that, like, they do a, if anybody has been newly called to Jesus, please feel free to come forward, raise your hand, be recognized, whatever, blah, blah, blah. If you need to return to Jesus, raise your hand if you felt that you have lost your walk with him. And her boyfriend raised his hand. Recommit your life. Recommit your life. And she's like, well, shit, now I have to. Well, she didn't actually say that, but it's like, well, now I have to. So she raised her hand and the pair of them walk forward together and, oh my God, this makes me so furious. Anything regarding sexual purity culture makes me so upset. Me too. So they go forward and he then takes them off to a side room. Carl. Carl, yeah. the boyfriend. So it's Carl, the boyfriend. The yeah. And the and two teens. the girl. Yeah. And so they explain the situation to him and he asks them, "Is did you use protection? And so then he follows it up. And so they say, say yes. yes, we did. And so he then follows it up with, oh, so it was premeditated. They were removed from worship team. They were told to break up. They were told that they were not to have contact with one another for six months at least. She was removed from teaching youth. He was removed from the worship team. And I'm, and again, this goes back to what is in, what was his fucking hang up? With sex. Right. So a year later, she and her then boyfriend, they went and got married. Because they, they didn't. They went and got married because they did not want to be in punished. sin. They did not want to be punished. Because it's much easier to come back with a husband than it is to come back and walk up to the front and do that fucking walk of shame. Go in, the, go in a small room and have a meeting with the pastor. And be told that you're not allowed to talk to this boy mm-hmm. ever again transitioning into that so carl steps down right and that kind of opens the floodgates for scandal with hillsong yes because Mm -hmm. renine coming out with her story with carl it It, didn't it it it, it like it gave a lot of roots in the story Mm -hmm. like like it wasn't just another pastor who cheated on his wife no it was oh no there was people behind this there was a face and a name and she had talking heads and like people knew her story knew her side of it well, two people came out with allegations against Carl. Yes. And they and those were dismissed. Right. And, and then there, and then was, there the was Anne with Anne and James May. Right. These are just the people we who know have of spoken out. Who right. have been brave like, enough to I, fucking speak out. I'm sure there's like there's got hundreds it. across the world who mm-hmm. have had sexual assaults in by in, a pastor, by a in trusted Hillsong leader. Alone. Oh, a hundred percent. If we're gonna talk about the world, I mean, 
that's the whole point of like the 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 commission the royal commission on australia right. was looking at these accusations of misconduct and i think sexual assault in hillsong yeah so 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 anne was was a student at hillsong college australia yeah in 2018 20 no 2019 i think was her first year there yeah i actually do remember these dates because this would make me so goddamn mad (laughs) again sexual purity and sexual assault are one of my big triggers so um a lot of these christian colleges like liberty like basically every christian college um makes you sign a contract that of some kind of purity, essentially, right. like mm-hmm. you a code of conduct. Like BYU has right. one. It's it's the code of conduct. You can't drink. You can't smoke. Do drugs. Wear you, certain kinds of clothing. You can't tempt the young man right. astray. Like you can't have sex. It's bullshit. Right. But um, you can't you you can't like be in a car or like in a room alone with a boy. You right. know, like you like the boys can't be in the girls' dorms. Yeah, you know stuff. It, like it's that. like things to maintain the moral standard that. The churches, the religions would like, the religious institutes would like to have in place. Mm-hmm. December of 2018, and she is invited to this party because her friend is invited to this party because the friend was speaking to a guy that was at the party. Right. So they go to this party and it's at a. It's at the house of one of the worship, of, of the worship leader. His name is James May. Of Hillsong, of, of, Australia. of Hillsong, Australia. Sydney. Sydney. Right. James's family is heavily involved in Hillsong. Right. His father is the head of HR. It's a dinner. It's like a get together. It's There's a get like together. Maybe ten people. Right. right. And they're they've signed this code of conduct. They're not allowed to drink. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're sitting there. They're talking. But the the staff. Sorry. Yeah. The staff at Hillsong, like this worship leader. What did you say his name? James May. James. Like, James is a 20-something, and he's, he doesn't go to the college. No. So, like, people... So, he, he's so a like worship he leader. Drink. He's married. He can drink. There is drinking right. happening so at this party. There, there are... But they are not allowed to drink, specifically right. the two girls. There are adults who are drinking. Yeah. And they can, but these girls... These two girls were from the college, and they couldn't drink. So, they, right. they weren't drinking. Right. Thank you for the clarification. Yeah. So, sorry. James May... Um. So, so Anne is... Sitting there, she's um, eating, and James May puts his hand on her thigh. One of the other people who's at the party, like, stands up or moves around the table or something and sees his hand on her thigh. And he's like, I think it's time to take you guys home. Let's take you guys home. Or it's her friend. No, it was James's friend. It was James's friend. Okay, so James's so, friend sees this and probably knows James, right? And, and is and goes, like, "Okay, time to take you guys home. I'm going to take you guys home." Yeah. So Anne stands up, and James starts to grope her, grabs and he, her crotch. And he grabs her. He grabs her. He grabs her crotch. Like lifts her shirt up. Is pressing his face all over her stomach. Is groping her, and Anne is basically shocked, obviously, and she's frozen. <laughs> And I, I forget how, like, they, they get her away from him. Like, they, yeah. they separate them. And Anne and her friend get in the car with the friend of James's. Right. And he's like, I'm so sorry. He's not usually like this. Please don't say anything to his wife don't or anybody. Anything. Don't, don't say, say anything. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. His wife wasn't here. His wife doesn't need to know about this. The mm-hmm. church doesn't need to know about this. And then the rest of the drive back to the college is silent. She goes to... 
someone had passed her, she goes to someone and she reads a prepared statement that she has made about this incident. Mm -hmm. She is dismissed and then she is called back and this this person it's an older woman she went to an older woman expecting to receive some kind of like empathy understanding and they ask questions and she's asked questions and she's asked to repeat her story and then she's dismissed and then she's brought back in a second time and then they're reading they're asking her and trying to poke holes in her story and then she's dismissed again and then in April of 2019, she was, like, super anxious about this. And she handed over all communication to her father. Because nothing was Because nothing done. was happening. They just kept interviewing her. Yeah. Wow. And, and so, and then it came out that right. this had happened. It was publicized. Um, and then, oh, it made me so mad. So, there is video of someone asking Brian Houston about the whole thing with James May. Mm-hmm. His statement is he was a young married man who made some foolish and poor choices and was too drunk and it was not sexual assault. So then, so he makes that statement and then he makes a tweet. He fucking tweets yes. something to the effect of, you know, it's such a shame that this life had to be destroyed, especially because this young woman has been sexually assaulted previously at her father's church. Because her father is a pastor at a church... Back in the in United America. States, in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? He basically victim shamed her, saying yeah. mm-hmm. it happened to her before. Of course it happened to her again. Right. Mm-hmm. The dad called Brian and was basically like, you know, it's just really disheartening about the fact that you only care about the fact that you got caught. Mm-hmm. You yeah. don't care that this happened to my daughter. Mm-hmm. So people start coming out with allegations against brian against carl against uh a lot of the dallas a dallas pastor a dallas hill song closed because the pastor and his wife stepped down because of tons of scandals at that church (laughs) yeah and then the last kind of big scandal that has happened recently and is still going on um is the frank houston scandal oh man so way back to the beginning of this episode right when we mentioned (laughs) the the big slim shady bullshit that frank houston did brian's father frank in the 60s was the original founding pastor of hillsong like we said it was only like 300 people at the time Mm -hmm. and so somebody came out and said that when they were six they were six i think they were saying there was multiple times but yes one time they were pastor pastor frank was at staying at his house mm-hmm. uh, with his children and the kids and there was a bunk bed in the girls room and pastor frank's kids so brian and some of his siblings were staying in the top bunk and he and, and the kid woke up and pastor frank was standing over him mm. and pastor frank proceeded to sexually and sexually molest and assault this child little boy mm-hmm. yeah so it came out that he was a pedophile right several years it went on with this yes. with this little boy and then as he got older it, it continued which i think is very interesting going a little bit into psychology because child predators have specific age ranges usually right mm-hmm. and i think it's very interesting that it didn't appear that he stuck to a specific age range but i also know that this one boy that now a man 
Um, th- this th- this boy was not the only one. Oh, I'm sure. I don't know. They yeah. say they said that several other people, oh, several yeah. other boys, men oh came forward. It's been like and it's there's like, no it's like names. Fourteen. Yeah, like it's, it's a several. lot. It's a lot. So so this of people this have man. come out against Frank Houston, saying that he and Frank is dead now. Long yes, dead. he died in two thousand two in Australia. It is illegal. If you, so, if you are aware of a knowledge of a crime that has um, been committed and you do not report, report it, it's like mandatory reporting. It is, but everybody for, is a mandatory reporter for uh, for average citizens. For oh, an average okay. citizen, regardless of the crime. Okay. Well, yeah, it has to be a felony. Like, yes. it, it, it's a it has to be of a felonious charge. Right. Yeah. In in Australia, they call it a serious crime. Yeah. So, if you have knowledge that a serious crime was committed and you do not report it, you can be convicted held accountable, held accountable mm-hmm. yeah. for not reporting um so his mother reported the abuse to the church uh there was an inquiry done with the board of elders brian houston at the time was the president was the national president of the assemblies of god in australia so like he was high schmuckety schmuck in assemblies of god before he even started hillsong right when he heard the report of sexual abuse there was no criminal they, they did not report it they dismissed Frank Houston mm-hmm. from preaching ever again. Because he was head pastor. And like the, the documentary highlighted, he will be given one year of counseling. Yep. And so Brian Houston, what did he do? He dismissed his father and his father retired to live on a pension. There was a settlement of $10,000 discussed mm-hmm. in a McDonald's written on a napkin. And but- yeah, it's just so sad, you know, talking about the respect victims get because it's like okay we're gonna meet you at a mcdonald's right and we're gonna negotiate a price to shut you up right and then you're not even gonna get it here right and then he doesn't get it and then he has to call right just to get it and then they mail it to him thousand dollars like i mean there Mm -hmm. is no goddamn price right right but ten thousand dollars is fucking shitty man so there's that um so then the Royal Commission by November of twenty of two thousand. So, um, the internal church investigations found several more incidences mm-hmm. of child abuse of of um, pedophilia mm-hmm. by Frank Houston. Mm-hmm. The 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 entire Executive Council of the Assemblies of God did not report this. Nope. They said that Frank Houston never preached again, and Brian Houston swore under oath that his father had never preached again there's recordings there's of, tape recordings there's tape recordings of frank houston preaching and talking directly to a little boy in the front mm-hmm. row and saying you're so handsome look at you you're gonna grow up to be so handsome mm-hmm. aren't you and you know that That's god so made you wonderful and perfect and mm-hmm. i'm sitting there and i'm like oh mm-hmm. it sounds like he went to other churches and like guest preach yeah, yeah. The damage that yes was done like like we don't even know all the people that no we can't there's no possible yeah. way for us to know everybody who was hurt due to them you know being dead not wanting to come forward yeah feeling like there is no reason why they need to come forward and it's mm-hmm. just it's it's very disheartening hearing about that brian there's like footage of brian swearing in yeah and I said, it's crazy for me to watch the trial of Brian Houston for the assault of the young boy. Mm-hmm. To see him swear in 
vowing on a Bible, the book that he supposedly values the most, mm-hmm. and then give his testimony. It just blew my mind because it shows how people can convince themselves mm-hmm. of the truth. Mm-hmm. I cannot emphasize how common this is in the church. Right. Because Brian, under oath, like, In 2014. Lied. So that's when this happened, was in 2014. And yeah, he did lie. And, and the, thing, the times. thing that, like, happens, especially in Christianity, is, like, Brian convinced himself mm-hmm. that that was the truth. And that is how he was able to swear on a Bible. Yeah, the, the legal stuff, he's basically being censured for knowing and not reporting, Back in the right. back in 1990, yeah, and his, his he's he's intending to plead guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, court is set for October of 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I just have like one or two overall thoughts. You go so. for it. I've got I've got a couple of finishing up thoughts. My here my final final thought. <laughs> I do not think mega mega churches should exist. <laughs> Period. End of story. Amen. Period. We can end it there. I I yeah. can't. I you can you cannot have a healthy group of people that size, right? And and here's the thing, like like people, I think people get mad about that statement because it's like, well, like some people have a just a really good gift for preaching or or music or whatever, right. and, and that's like, why it's so successful. Right? It's like cool beans. Put that in a different profession, and that's what I would say is like if you're good at speaking at preaching, be a motivational speaker right or if you're good at writing speeches be a devotional writer (laughs) right if you're good at worship music make a band and tour and fill stadiums but be a band don't fucking be a worship team hillsong united should just be a band yeah they (laughs) you're not wrong like they like the whole idea of like like bethel and hillsong like these churches that are surrounded by a band it's like you're going to a concert every week like this band should just charge money they should just be a secular band like they right like it's a fine. secular band that does spiritual music which is right. okay yeah like you, it's like, okay Red collective yes. oh my god great music they acknowledge that they're secular yes like it's okay to charge people to come see you play Mega churches do no good for like a person's personal growth, growth and relationships and like all that. Like I understand that if you are a person who goes to a mega church, you might go to a small group. But that's not your church. That's a small group. That's not your everyday Sunday. Mm-mm. My second thought mm. is kind of piggybacking off of that is that Jesus, because we love to tie things back to Jesus. Oh, God. Well, I mean, true. But, I mean, just because we're deconstructing this kind of bullshit, like, yeah, we are still Christians. We do still have belief in Christ. I have heard people justify mega churches like this. Jesus preached to thousands of people. He was also immortal and perfect. <laughs> you are not Jesus. <laughs> exactly. And here's my counter for that. Jesus preaches... To thousands of people. Jesus did not pastor them. Ah! <laughs> Jesus. They were pastored in their home churches. Yes. Get this. Jesus toured. Jesus met people. But he was not in long-lasting community with people. He did not go and preach and then walk away. He did not. <laughs> like Carl Lentz. He right. would go and he would tour at other churches. He would come and preach, go out. He did not mingle with the people. He did not know the people. No. 
Jesus had his family. Mm-hmm. He had the 12 and maybe the 12's families who like traveled when, with them when they You're all You're not traveled. wrong. And that was Jesus's church. That's 36 people. Or no, that's, that's 24 plus like Jesus had a big family. So let's say like 30 people. 30 people's a good church size. Yeah. And you and, Je- I, that's you and I were talking church. about this too. <laughs> like earlier, it was like church is what we make of it. And you said that the perfect church in your mind would be small home churches, 30 yeah. to 40 people. I can guarantee if y'all started listing off the amount of people you saw at work, the amount of people you saw at church that right. you actually speak to and engage with <laughs> friends outside of church and work that you also spoke with in your family you could probably name 100 people oh yeah easy oh yeah and then obviously you're not going to want to go and do church with that kind of people with that amount of people or with necessarily even all the people you know on a first name basis and that you speak with regularly Je- yes, Jesus met and preached and taught thousands of thousands of people. He's, I, I still but back Jesus, to, he's perfect. We, we act like Jesus was like in deep relationship with all these people. No, and it's like no. He, he literally, even the people he did miracles for, he, he knows their name because he's Jesus, right? <laughs> because he is God. Yeah, like, but like he wasn't going to their house every Friday night no. for for like, dinner and games. Lazarus and his sisters. <laughs> yeah. Like, he knew them. Right, right. They are named in the Bible. Yeah. Like, the women that are named in the Bible. Like, those, are the, those were his church. Exactly. Those are the people that he saw, that he knew, that the apostles knew and were around enough to name in the Bible. Right now, I have, like, one... I'm married, so Carson's, like, my best friend. Carson counts as your <laughs> husband. You don't count because you're family. So I, have, <laughs> so I have one close friend who isn't related to me. Valid, because... Being related by blood definitely gives Actually, you another two. tie. Counting Brooka. Brooka and Anna is my other friend. Brooka counts as family. Okay. So one. One. <laughs> I see her once a week and then I, I go to school and I see my family. You know? I'm, so right. I'm, I'm trying to do my math. I'm trying to be like, what qualifies, what counts. I fuck it. I right. make the rules. So like, yeah. My family. My best friends at work. My two best friends at work. Yeah. And, and Raven and Corey. Uh-huh. That's it. That's four. Yeah, four. Four. You got four. Church expects us to be in this relationship with, like, I mean, if you're going to Hillsong, like, 5,000 people. Fuck that noise, yeah. man. That's so, like, I mean, of I love course. my family. I love the four that aren't my family. Which, Lord Almighty, Jesus wept. That yeah. is so many. Of course there's going to be conflict. Yeah. When you have a, ch- a church of 100 even, mm-hmm. people are, are, are going to hold grudges. They're not going to speak up. There's going to be conflict. That isn't resolved because people are busy and there's so many people and there's so much, so many problems. People are in the hospital. People are dying. People are born, whatever. Right. It's like life happens. Life happens. And we can't expect us to all keep up with all 100 of our close church. (laughs) Exactly. That's that's unrealistic. That's why I just think it's this idea that it's like churches need to be huge. Like like Brian Houston is like, you know, quoted saying The world. he, he says, I don't think a church could ever be too big. And, but again, and, I, I really do think every pastor is, is like that. Like, give, give any pastor in America what, a platform that big. What you gave Brian, same thing's going to happen. Oh, my God. There's not going to be any. I 
don't think any pastor would be able to withstand that no. kind of pressure. No. Regardless of how morally upright and righteous they start out as, there is no goddamn way. Yeah, there was a pastor, I, I think it was Francis Chang, Francis Chen, Francis Chan. He was a pastor of, I forget which mega church. It, he was a pastor of a mega church in California. His church got to the point where it was like five to 10,000 people. <laughs> And how can you adequately lead that many people if you, you don't have the time to sit down and hear their problems and pastor and lead and provide spiritual and religious counsel? And Francis Chen, his church got so big that he famously stepped down. And he good for him for fucking yeah. stepping down. And he went like on the Today Show because it was like monumental. And they're like, Oh my gosh. You're, What's the scandal? What happened? Yeah, Where's like, the tea? Your church is at the peak of, of popularity. Why are you leaving? And he said, well, my church just got too big. I can't handle it anymore. Like, it's too big. I mean, so that's actually really impressive, the fact that he stepped down before he did irreparable yeah. damage. There was no scandals. He was, I mean, as far as we know. Right. You Nothing know? came out. But, Nothing you know, the fact out. that he did it out, supposedly voluntarily, supposedly no scandals. Yeah. And let's be real, in Christian society, you know it would have gotten out if there was one. Yeah. Devolving a little bit from the Hillsong thing, look at Mars Hill. Yeah, exactly. Like, that that's a completely, you know, near identical kind of situation. Yeah, like, Francis Chen was like, I was clocking in and clocking out. I. That's not how pastoring should no. be, though. He said, I went to church, and I didn't know anybody, and it's my church. And yeah. I didn't, I, I literally, I didn't know anybody who was working for me. I didn't know anybody who, like, I didn't know any of the volunteers. And he said, I just realized, like, this isn't my church anymore. Like, I need to leave. And then when I just Googled him, he has, like, a ministry now. Like, he left and started his own ministry and stuff. So my final thoughts yeah, so just kind are of are, um, I, I had a lot of emotion and I wrote a lot. I think I have six pages of notes here in front of me, and I didn't even share all of them, but it, it was a very cathartic journaling for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took to TikTok, actually, after I finished, because I wanted to see what the general consensus was for Hillsong Exposed and what the reactions were. Um, there's a lot of people that are talking about they're people that are mad that God wasn't re- represented properly at Hillsong, as opposed to having empathy for the victims. Yeah, like what happened. Like what happened to them, like was really awful, and like empathy needs to be had for those people. And instead, people are choosing to be um, outraged at how poorly God was displayed there's a lot of oh here's this other thing really quick away from the tiktok stuff um there was a lot of emphasis on satan in the like in the documentary right towards the end when they were getting towards like they kind of jumped in the timeline but at the end when they were discussing the production of the show brian houston they, they they had a clip of brian houston talking about this documentary being uh, uh, as it was being produced because like I'm guessing it was probably a pretty big to do within the Hillsong community and people were talking about it as it was being produced. Well, and there were multiples. Like there's there's a there's other doc- Hillsong documentaries. About. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So Brian Houston, he used Satan um in rhetoric with emphasis that the congregants 
should ignore it. That this is just Satan putting a wedge between them and the kingdom that they were building. Yeah. And then people outside Hillsong um, have been saying that it's an example of Satan using God to mislead other people and to lead them astray. And I'm like, that kind of rhetoric sets my teeth on edge. I know. Because it's like, you can't blame everything on Satan. Right. Like, I remember people have free will. Like, that's my thing. Like, my belief in God comes from the fact that God gave us free will. He gave everybody the opportunity to choose to follow him. Mm -hmm. And if we choose not to, he will not hold that against us because that is not a kind or loving God. Personal opinion, people. Come on now. (laughs) And the fact that everyone is blaming Satan for good or for bad, that removes a lot of free will and takes a lot of personal responsibility out of the actions that are happening. If you blame Satan, there's, you're not leaving any room for people to be held accountable. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really scary because then you're like, oh, it was Satan. It's so true. And and so then people were talking about the worship music. They were talking about how, whether or not they were going to support Hillsong anymore. There were a lot of evangelical people who were like, I'm not going to listen to the music anymore. I'm not going to stream. I'm not going to give money to something, to an organization that covers this up. I feel like people in, in reaction to the documentary... So any of the Hillsong documentaries um, kind of break down into four categories. You have the people that are standing by Hillsong, which usually are the people deep in it. Yeah. They they bought into it. They listen to Brian when he says, oh, no, don't listen to it. It's Satan. Like, they, they get it. Yeah. And I'm not judging anybody who does because if you need something to cling to, to hold on to for your faith that badly, you need it. There's good messages there still. I'm not going to deny that, but yeah, people's choices to make where they worship or their choices to make where they worship. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so there's the people who are standing with Hillsong who are in it. Then there's the people who know about it and don't care because they don't go to Hillsong. They, these are the people that like make the statements, well, I mean, they still bring a lot of people to Christ. Why does it matter? Right. And I'm like... C.S. Lewis in um, The Last Stand, I think, wrote, all that is evil done in the name of Aslan is the work of Tash, and all that is good that is done in the name of Tash is the work of Aslan. Mm. And I'm like, sure. Ends don't justify the means, though. So then there's like pe- Christians who don't know about scandals. They're the old people. They're the people that don't get involved with the Christian gossip drama. Yeah, they're like, like they exist. They're not on the internet. They're not on the internet. <laughs> like, or I mean, they're just part of like a church. Like, I'll say Mormons for the sake of this conversation. Mormons count themselves as being Christian. I bet you money that your average Joe Mormon wouldn't know about this bullshit. Because they're very involved and insular. Um, I can almost guarantee you, though, that Mormon church leadership high up the people in Salt Lake City, they know about it. Yeah. I can guarantee the state presidents and the bishops. I bet you they know about it, and there's been discussions about it. And I'm not saying that they're any better than Hillsong. I bet you money they're fucking worse. And then you have you have people who are Christian who are hurt and angry about this and their message is not all Christian. That's their reactions. Not all Christians are like this. This isn't what Christians should be. 
Um, and those are the ones that choose to uh, like avoid Hillsong music all entire entirely, and they're cutting it out of their spiritual practice and their worship. And I'm like, good for them. And then there's the final category, you and me. Deconstructionists mm-hmm. who are sitting here, who are watching this, who have seen this play out on smaller levels and we're not shocked or surprised at what comes out. No, not at all. We're hurt, we're angry, and we're choosing to do something about our faith with it. It's great music. I I'm not I, denying that. I have I was a worship leader in college. I did tons of Hillsong music. Um so it it really sucks. Like I was saying, like it really sucks that Hillsong United wasn't just like, "Hey, let's make a band." Yeah. And tour and like sell tickets. It would have been great to yeah. just have that available. And they're kind of transitioning into that where right. they, they are on tour. What, Joel Houston, uh, it was sometime back in mm, early April at the San Antonio uh, performance, basically bore his testimony about the power of worship music and mm. how they're not going to let this stand and how they debated about whether or not they were going to go forward with the tour. And they're like, well, this right. is the reason why. Their stadium was full. Everybody went. I didn't see a single fucking empty seat in the video. And, like, he just bore his testimony and said, we're not doing this for the cash grab, which I still call BS. Like, your money is still funneling back to the church, sir. Like, and and your last name is Houston. I, mm, mm. You spent all this money on the tour. Like, of course, you're not going to cancel... A tour. Like, no. you're not going to cancel your concerts. Like, no, not at all. But yeah, like, it's 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 a shame that they're so intertwined with the church because mm-hmm. it's like, they really are. Like, right. In terms of Christian music, the best of the best. They, they are. Gorgeous and- voices, amazing talent, amazing songwriting. Um, so yeah, it just sucks. It sucks to see the downfall. Right. And it's like, do you think that, Hillsong United as, the, as a musical group could ever recover and rebrand themselves? Do you think that they could take like the same vocal talent, the same musicians, the same songwriters and move to another name? Do you think they could do that? And like distance themselves completely from Hillsong? Yeah, I think that's what they'll do eventually. I think right now they're going to stay Hillsong United. I, I think in the next couple years, I think they're all going to break off and start their own projects. I think that's actually going to be really interesting Just under if they new, do. Under new under names, new names and, and breaking off and not yeah. necessarily grouping everyone together. I think that'll be really interesting and open up a lot of avenues of new music. Yeah. Um, which, honestly, I think the contemporary Christian music sphere has been sorely lacking because it's been so dominated by fucking hell songs. Yeah. <laughs> and especially when, you know, they're coming out with new songs every week. I remember they said in the documentary that... Um, you would go to church one week and hear a great song and you would go back and expect to hear that same song and it would be completely brand new songs that you had never heard before. Yeah. Their catalog is the hundreds of songs. Every every mega church that has their own band who writes their original music is like that. Like um They Maverick, just turned it out. Yeah, there's like Maverick City, Bethel, Hillsong, and and then there's like Hillsong United, Hillsong, um, Young and Free, which Young and Free is is like the youth a music. second, yeah, it's like a youth a youth band, but they're like recording, they're a recording band, like That's they make crazy. money. Yeah, you go to Bethel for church, and they come out, and they're like, all right, we're you know, there's a new song tonight, you know, and they play the new song, and like that's just how it is. That's, that's just, just so how crazy. it is because yeah, they want to test it on people, and they want to see you know how well it a crowd likes it and everything and. 
And they say, yeah, okay, we gotta pump this cord. Uh, I don't know. There's there's a lot here to unpack, yeah. and I think you know we we did a really good job unpacking tonight. But yeah, there's just so much more. And guys, anybody listening, if you have thoughts, if you want to weigh in on any of this, feel free to reach out to us. Yeah, we'd like to hear from you. <laughs> Our email is um, no apologies podcast one number one at gmail.com. Do you have anything else to say? I mean, I've always got more to say. You know me, but yeah, like, um, me too. Honestly, it's like I think it speaks a lot to how deeply this kind of stuff tempers every one of us, and, and like can set off some explosions. And obviously, you know, we're not doing this to pick on anybody. We're doing yeah. this to share. We're doing this to help others deconstruct. We're doing this if you don't have the fucking energy to watch the stupid documentary. <laughs> you know, I feel like we this gave you a pretty... This is the free version. This is the free version. This is the free breakdown yeah. of what we did. Um, and I mean, l- let us know what you think. I, yeah. It's truly a matter of discussion, of talking to people, of finding your own faith without people dictating to you how to believe and how to worship. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for joining us. Um, you said uh, Instagram handles for yeah. myself and Morgan. Our Instagram handles will be down there. Feel free to DM us and have uh, conversations with us. We're open to anything, all opinions. And um, yeah, like Mara said, we'd love to hear from you guys. So yeah, let us know what you think. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.